You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. All right, if you would, take your Bible tonight. Uh, I'm, you're, I'm sorry you're stuck with me this evening, so take your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9, we'll jump into a, uh, a lesson continuing in our theme of uh, biblical worldview. And uh, we're going to look at it, it's for many of us, probably a familiar passage of Scripture, a familiar story. We're going to look at this tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll go through this Bible study for the next few minutes, and then we'll break up and, uh, and go to our uh, time of prayer. So, uh, so we're excited to jump in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and look into uh, what the Word of God is teaching us here. Now understand, to, hold, to fully hold a biblical worldview, to really have a worldview that is based on God's Word, we understand one fundamental truth, or there's one fundamental truth that we really need to understand, and that is this, that God is in control. God is in control. Now, I don't know about you, but I have to remind myself that a lot, especially in recent days when this, the world seems like it's all falling apart and everybody hates everybody and all that kind of stuff, uh, and all the politicians seem crooked and all of that. I have to remind myself that God is in control, and this is something that God is in control of the TV screens, too, man. Just shut them all down. Uh, This is something that, as Christians, we have to understand that all the events taking place in this world are based on this fundamental truth. It may seem like things are out of control. It may seem like things are going crazy. But we understand that there's a bigger plan in place. Now, when we look at the world and all of the events of the world and we understand that, then we're not being affected spiritually. We're not being affected by the events of this world. Pastor made this quote last week, if you were here. Without a biblical worldview, we are reacting to world events. Without a biblical worldview, we're just reacting to things that are happening in the world. As Christians, if we understand God's word, we know God's word, we understand that the events going on in the world don't specifically affect us. We know the back of the book. We know the end of the story. We know how things are, 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 supposed to, uh, are going to end up. And so this is something that's very important and vital for us to remember. Uh, guys, if we just need to shut those TVs off, that's fine. They just keep blinking on and off. So if we just need to leave them off, that's okay. All right. So if you would take your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to look here at a few verses. We're going to stay in this chapter uh, for the rest of the evening. Before we jump into that, how many of you watched the Super Bowl on Sunday? A few of us did? All right. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, you know, uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I never get Watch my team in the Super Bowl, but um, we, we watch this. We watch the Super Bowl every year. I enjoy watching football and all that good stuff. But after the game was over, you know, and watch that game, um, you know, that was kind of a beatdown. You know, the Buccaneers came out ready to play. Yeah, somebody asked me before the game, what do you think is going to happen? I said, I think the Chiefs are going to win by two touchdowns at least. I said, I, think, I don't think the Bucs can stop them. I think the Chiefs are going to win. You know, I think Brady's luck is going to run out. And come to find it wasn't luck. And uh, he's just that good. And uh, here we go. And they win again. But the big criticism I heard on, you know, listening to sports radio the next day was that there was a lot of criticism of Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, because a couple of the players, a couple of defensive players after the game were being interviewed, and they made a comment. It didn't look, didn't seem like they tried anything different. It didn't seem like they ever adjusted. I thought, man, that's, you know, the guy's being paid a lot of money to figure it out. And, I mean, obviously, 
he got his team to the Super Bowl. He's got a great offense there, and, uh, and obviously he knows what he's doing. But in that game, the gr- big criticism from sports writers and from even some of the players on, on the Buccaneers team was that it didn't seem like they made any adjustments. Now, we would sit back and say, well, that's what you're paid to do. That's your job. You know, you got to figure it out. you got to score points. And obviously they weren't able to, to do that. But here's the point. The Word of God is to be to us a mirror. Why? Because we are to look at a mirror and see things that need to be adjusted. You know, I mean, before I walked out here tonight, I threw this coat on and I stood in front of a mirror to make sure, you know, I didn't look like a fool when I stood up here on this platform. We look at a mirror to make adjustments in our, in our appearance to make sure we look, uh, we, we look right. Everything is in order. Well, this is why we look to the Word of God. As we grow in the Word of God and as we study the Word of God, it's a mirror for us to do just that, to make adjustments. We say, how foolish for a coach who's leading a football team to never make adjustments gets blown out of the ball game. A few years ago, we don't have any Alabama fans here, do we? Oh, man, there's always one. Come on. So... A few years ago, we, uh, uh, I'm an LSU fan, if you didn't know, I'm just, we can't be friends now. So uh, we were in a national championship game against Alabama, which I still argue to this day we shouldn't have been playing them twice. But anyway, we were playing Alabama in this game, and we come out, and we hand the ball up the middle. We hand the ball off, running back, up the middle, up the middle, up the middle, all first half. Our quarterback was horrible all first half, and I just knew. We're going to get in at halftime. We're going to make a quarterback change. We're going to start opening up the offense. And we're going to come back and we're going to, we're going to try to score. Our defense was playing really well and, and kept us in the game. We came out in the second half. Same quarterback came out. Played horrible. Same, play, same game plan. Handoff up the middle. Handoff up the middle. Handoff up the middle. Threw a five-yard out. Missed our receivers over and over and over again. And no adjustments were made. And as a fan, you're so frustrated when no adjustments are made. Now, now, if you don't follow sports, that's okay. But here's the point. How frustrating must it be for the Lord when he gives us his word and he gives us preaching from God's word, gives us a pastor like we have here that preaches the word of God, a pastor that, we, that you guys had before, Pastor Miller, a man who preaches faithfully to God, but yet we sit back and don't ever make an adjustment. We see the events of the world. We see everything taking place. And how frustrating must it be for the Lord when you and I sit back and say, ah, I'm doing fine. Hand off up the middle. It's not working, but we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Our life is falling apart. Stuff's not working, but we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And all the while, the Lord says, wait a second, here, I've got, I've got a plan for you to understand. Now, look, to have a biblical worldview doesn't mean we have to know the reason why everything is happening. Now, don't misunderstand that. It doesn't mean we're going to know all the reasons why everything is going on in the world right now. It doesn't mean that you're going to know all the reasons why everything is going wrong in your life right now. But the point is this, it's knowing that God has a plan. It's knowing that God has a plan. God is in control. Okay? And this is what we're going to look at here in 1 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to kind of take the long way around here. So stay with the story. Don't lose track here. We're going to kind of bring it all together here at the end. Okay? 1 Samuel chapter 9. Look at verse number 1 there. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. Now, kind of tuck that away. Remember that phrase there. We're going to come back to that right at the end. Verse number two, and he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. All right, so the, if you know the story here, the children of Israel have asked for a king. They want a king. If you go back to, to, to 
chapter 8, you see that they asked for a king. God said, told Samuel, Samuel's the prophet of God. He says, Samuel, tell them they don't want a king. If they get a king, things are going to go bad. It's not going to be good. If they get a king, they're going to start paying taxes. They're going to start sending their sons to war. People are going to die. They need to leave the government the way it is with God in control, a theocracy. God is in control, leading through his prophets. But the people of Israel were stubborn. They're hard-headed, kind of like me and you. All right, They were hard-headed, stubborn, wanted their way. So God finally said, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. Now, unfortunately for us, sometimes God gives us what we ask for. Now, that's a whole message for another night. We're not going to get into that tonight, all right? But that's a whole other thought. But God says, all right, you want a king? Here you go. Now, you see who God picked for them. Now, look there again in verse number two. It says there at the end of the verse, from his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. You saw there that uh, in verse number one, that his dad was a mighty man of power. Saul came from a wealthy family. He was from the right pedigree. He had uh, the right looks. He was big, strong. I mean, the, he had all, he was the whole package. Wealthy family, a lot of money, big, tall guy, looked apart. Everything was, was great. As a result, he was readily accepted by the people to be the king. Now, Saul himself, he wasn't sure about this. Um, Oftentimes when something good or even bad happens to someone, the first words that come out of our mouth is, well, you were at the right place at the right time. Or sometimes we have to say it the other way. You were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, often we make those statements and those comments. And I know what we mean by that. I say that's that kind of stuff all the time. But the point is this. We have to understand that there is no just luck of the draw. We just happen to be at the right place at the time or or we just happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time we understand God is in control God is in control so the things that are going on in this world globally the things that are going on here in our city locally the things that are going on in your home understand God is in control okay we know that God is still king that he is in control now Look at verse number three now. Keep that thought in mind, and we're going to keep moving ahead here. Verse number three, And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Now take one of the servants with thee, and arise, and go seek the asses. And he passed through the Mount Ephraim, and passed through the land of uh, Shalisha, uh, but they found them not. And then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Uh, and they passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. Now look, I don't think much of donkeys, okay? All right, I, it's, it's not... Uh, you know, it's not a great asset to me. Uh, I know some guys in Mississippi who had some farms and they had some property and they had donkeys and they used them. Uh, but in, in Bible days, these were a sign of wealth. Um, it was almost like you would have like an ATV today or a pickup truck or something like that. They were used to haul things, uh, to move things from one place to the other, uh, to help plow, to help cultivate crops. Uh, donkeys were a, a great asset in their day. They were sometimes even used as a means of transportation. Now, I've never tried a donkey as a uh, means of transportation, but I'm sure it beats, you know, walking <laughs> for a long distance. Um, I would think it'd be kind of like driving a Dodge, you know. It's okay as long as nobody sees you doing it, you know, something like that. But anyway, should I duck here? <laughs> donkeys were very valuable in that day. Kish's donkeys have run off. He sends Saul and he sends a servant to go find him. Now, here's where we see God at work. God, this is the first part of the plan here. Now, when a rancher's livestock goes missing, I've known this. I know some guys who are ranchers. When their livestock goes missing, nine times out of ten, they know where they are. All right, they're down, they're down by, the, uh, uh, by the green lush grass, or they found a spot by the, uh, by the lake where they know where the water is. Typically, the ranchers I know, when, they're, when their livestock goes missing, they know where to find them. Well, in this particular case, they can't find them. 
And these are, this is what they do. I mean, Saul's a, a grown man. He, the, the servant that's working with him, these guys do this for a living. So not finding livestock is kind of, uh, it's kind of, out, of uh, out of the norm. They were experienced ranchers, but they were, these donkeys were nowhere to be found. They looked for days over a vast area, but this was the hand of God. This was the hand of God. First point tonight, God moves in the direction he wants to go. God moves in the direction he wants to go. Okay, look at verse number five. When they were come to the land of Zuph, Saul said to a servant that came with him, come and let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. <laughs> Saul was ready to quit. I've had enough. All right, I can't find him. I'm sure dad's worried about me. Uh, I'm sure his dad was not. But anyway, uh, and he said unto him, behold, now there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant in verse 7, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels. There's not a present to bring the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at, at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that, that will I give to the man of God to tell us on our way. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, verse 9, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer, for he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. Okay? So God used a herd of donkeys to get Saul where he wanted Saul to be, at the right place, at the right time. Now here's where it gets interesting. While God was moving Saul... And working through Saul's servant to get Saul to Samuel, God is working on the other side, placing Samuel at the right place at the right time. Verse 11. And as they went to the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? Talking about Samuel. And they answered him and said, He is. Behold, he's before you. Make haste now, for he came to, today to the city, for there's a sacrifice. Verse 13. As soon as you come to the city, you shall straightway find him before he go up to the high place to eat, for the people will not eat until he come. Because he doth bless the sacrifice. Verse 14. And they went up into the city. And when they were coming to the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. So God moved Saul in the direction he wanted him to go. And he placed Samuel in the place that he wanted Samuel to be. God was orchestrating a meeting here that was going to have divine consequences. Now this is a part we have to understand. God will direct in the way that he wants things directed. God will move in his own direction. Number two, God sets the meetings that he wants to occur. Okay? God sets the meetings he wants to occur. Verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin. Thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hands of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. So once again, we see it wasn't luck, it wasn't chance, it wasn't happenstance. Samuel was obedient to the, uh, to the message of God. Samuel knew that Saul was the one because God had prepared him. Now Saul is still very unaware of what's going on here. He still, still thinks he's looking for donkeys. And, uh, and he finally gets to verse number 20 here and begins to understand that something else is bigger is taking place. Look at verse number 20. As for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thine mind on them. Samuel's talking here. He's telling, Sam, he's telling Saul, don't worry about them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? 
Here we see the third part, point, the third part. God reveals his plan according to his will. First thing to understand, remember, God moves in his own direction. God sets the meetings he wants to occur. And then God reveals his plan in his time according to his will. So Saul comes, Mr. Man of God, I'm looking for donkeys. Samuel says, no, you're not. Your donkeys are fine. They're back at home. Your dad's got them. Everything's good. You're here because Israel's looking for a man and you're the man. This is the words that Samuel used to Saul, translated into English. You the man. All right. You are it. God has chosen you. You're to be the king. Now, Saul, look at verse number 21. What's Saul's reaction to that? And Saul answered and said, am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribes of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? The back south, we call this crawfishing. All right, Saul starts backing up. Wait a second, wait a second. I'm from the smallest house. Now, now remember verse one? Kish was a mighty man of power. What does Saul say? We ain't that powerful. I'm big, but I ain't that big. All of a sudden, he starts stepping back. Wait a second, I'm not sure about this. God's already divinely spoken to Samuel. Now we understand that things were different in the Old Testament. They did not have God's word. They didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So God spoke through prophets to his men. Saul knows this. Saul knows that Samuel is a prophet of God. He knows that he's speaking on behalf of God. He is giving a message from God. Right away, now this is, a, again, just a little side note here, just a little nugget here to keep in your memory. But Saul right away rebels against God's will. This opens up the door for a character flaw that we see throughout the rest of the life of Saul, rebelling against God's plan. So Saul rebels against God's plan for the first time in this moment. When we opened up the, the chapter in the story, we saw that there was a rich man named Kish. He's a wealthy, influential, respected member of the community. Saul says, we're the smallest tribe in Israel. Now, real quick, we'll wrap this up here in just a couple of minutes. Verse 22. Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 persons. Now, again, Saul doesn't know the whole story yet. He doesn't know God's, uh, he doesn't know the full scope of God's plan here, but he knows that he's been chosen of God. Samuel's already made that declaration and he's not real convinced about it. Verse number 25, and when they were come down from the high place to the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. Verse 27, skip down to verse 27. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of God. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be, be captain over his inheritance? Now, again, this is the message tonight. God works in our lives very similar to the way he works in the lives of Saul and Samuel. Now, again, we talk about that not exactly because we now have God's word. We have now a more sure word of prophecy, Peter tells us. But still, nonetheless, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of his word, he speaks to us and he directs us. Why did Saul ultimately fail in his calling? Because he failed to let God's will be done. He failed to let God be God. Saul knew better. From the time that he was anointed king of Israel through the rest of his life, Saul fought against God's will. Now think about this. First king of Israel could have, 
could have gone down as a legend. I mean, think about the legend of David. That could have been Saul. I mean, God appointed Saul to help keep Israel away from the Philistines. Saul could have been that guy. But he fought against the will of God when things got difficult. Now, we understand to have a biblical worldview, we have to understand God is in control. And if I have God's word here as a mirror, that means that I'm going to need to make adjustments in my life from time to time. If you're a Christian who's been saved for many, many years and you've not made adjustments in your life, the problem is not the word of God. The problem is not the Holy Spirit. The problem is we're not looking in the mirror and making adjustments. I like being able to look back and say, okay, I accomplished this. This, I started this here and I accomplished this later. And I think all of us, we, we feel that sense of accomplishment when we've done something. We've, we've built something. We've, we've gone on a diet plan. And we've lost weight. And we started working out. And we built some muscle. We see some results from some kind of effort that we've put in. We relate to that. We like that. In our Christian life, we ought to be able to do the same thing, to be able to look at this mirror and see a difference, adjustments that have been made. In our With a biblical worldview, all right, stay with me here. We'll be wrapped up here. With a biblical worldview, we understand Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Look, God used donkeys in the past. He's not above using all sorts of things to get yours and mine's attention. He's not above using things and events and and circumstances in our lives to get us to adjust. Again, this isn't always just necessarily that there's sin that has to be dealt with in your life, or it's not always necessarily in a negative connotation. It may be like Saul. God called Saul for a greater calling than he could have imagined. God was calling Saul to be more than he was. God may be calling one one of us tonight to do the same, to be more than we are, to not just sit and stay in the same location in the same spiritual condition we are today. And this is the lesson here. If we have the right biblical worldview, we understand God's in control. If God's in control, He's going to use things in your life and in my life to help us make adjustments so that we can grow. God used donkeys to get Saul to Samuel. God spoke to Samuel to get him to Saul to give the message. Maybe things in your life have been moving you to a place to make life changes in order to move closer to God. God uses all types of situations. Maybe it's a uh, social unrest in our country to get your mind's attention. Maybe it's corrupt politicians. Maybe it's financial difficulty in your home. Maybe it's relationship problems. God uses these things to get your attention and mine, to direct us and move us in the place where he would have us. In God's eyes and in God's plans, you and I have a purpose. We'll finish with this here. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord his steps. God puts us where we need to be at the time he needs us there in order to accomplish his desires for our lives and the lives of others. What can you see God moving in your life? Can you see God orchestrating to get you where you need to be? What changes might you need to make in your life? Do you understand God's plan? His plans are number one, start with salvation. If you don't know the Lord as your savior, if you don't have that settled where you have a time where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, That's the start. That's God's will right there, first and foremost. The Bible says today, today is the day of salvation. Starts with salvation. We thrive in God's plan with obedience. If you read the book of John, what does the Bible say over and over and over again? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, love one another. 
If you love me, keep my commandments and do the things that I've commanded you. Over and over, we see the lesson of obedience. Not to get God to love us more, no, but to show him that we love him. And to be obedient gives us the blessing of God to be able to thrive. And then it ends with God's glorification. What is the ultimate goal for you and I as Christians? What is the ultimate goal? To glorify God. That can be one of a million things, but your, your purpose in life, my purpose in life, and whatever God has called us to do is to glorify him. So to have a biblical worldview, we have to understand everything going on in the world is happening with a purpose. It's not an accident. It's not a shock to God. It's not a surprise. It's a surprise to me. A lot of things happen are a surprise to me, but it's not to the Lord. He's directing things according to his will, but he's doing it so that you are drawn closer to him. I mean, let's be honest. When things are going good, we don't really get after the word of God. We don't spend as much time in prayer. Maybe you do, but I don't. When things start getting a little squirrely, things start getting off the rails, I don't like the way things are going, all of a sudden, I'm a little bit more devoted to my time of prayer. The Lord is working in this world. And we can understand, we don't need to let the world events. We don't need to just be reacting to everything taking place. Submit to the leading of the Lord. Draw close to Him. Make the changes in our own personal lives that God's calling for. And see Him glorified. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for our time together tonight. Lord, thank You for... Our, uh, our faithful church folks here this evening. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless the message tonight. Lord, I pray that you would comfort one another, comfort all of us, Lord, and the things going on in the world that we have you to lean on, that we know that your will is going to win, that your plan is going to be fulfilled. And Lord, I pray that you help uh, each one of us tonight as we leave here to examine our hearts, to examine our lives, to look in the mirror of the word of God and to see what you are calling us to, what you're leading us to, what you would have us to do to serve you. I pray that you bless all the other events and services going on around the property this evening. Be with Pastor Miller. I pray that you'd help him to, uh, to return to health very quickly. Lord, be with his mom. I pray that you bless her and all the others in our church who are recovering, those who are sick. Lord, just watch over them. We'll thank you, Lord, for all you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.